It is good to be in God's house. It's good to see you all. And I pray that uh, you will gain some blessing from our message today and that God will indeed um, see us through each and every uh, situation that we go through. He does, doesn't he? He certainly does. Well, I'm going to ask you to do something that's very different. I'm going to ask you to get your Bibles. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Come on. It's okay. Get your Bibles. Stand with me. And repeat after me. This is my Bible. It is the precious Word of God. When I search it, I find Jesus. When I search it, I find salvation. When I search it, I get stronger. It is God's love letter to me. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the worship experience that we've had so far. We're thankful for the stories. We're thankful for the scripture reading. We're thankful that we've given up our tithes and our offerings. We're thankful for the prayers. Lord, as we go into the preached word, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. I just want to say how much I have uh, truly enjoyed Pastor's uh, series in Ephesians. And I, I know that all of us have grown from that. For some of us, maybe it's a reminder, but there's been, just been some powerful, powerful messages that our pastor brought um, to us. And I pray that we've all had been blessed by them. And of course, you can go back into our website and watch those and be blessed all over again. So as you have your Bibles in your hand, whether you have your iPads or your iPhones or your Androids, whatever you have, or your physical Bibles, uh, turn with me to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, as we, uh, I will read in your hearing. Uh, I want to thank Bob for, for reading uh, but I just want to kind of get that into your, into your mind again, just refresh you. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, these things says he who has the what? Seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Verse 3 says, Remember therefore how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come, up, come upon you as a thief and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Verse 4 says, You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. 
He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the what? Book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I believe that every person under the sound of my voice can strengthen what remains in their spiritual life by being watchful and remember the things you have seen and were taught. We look in the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, early on, when we look at the letters to the seven churches, and I call them love letters, we see that in the beginning, Christ is in the middle or the center of the candlesticks. And as we move through chapter 2 and chapter 3, and we come to the Laodicean church, we see that Christ is now on the outside, and he is knocking. He's saying, let me in. My people, what has happened? He, in, earlier on, he's in the middle of the churches, but later on, he's on the outside, and something has happened. God's people have lost their first love. God's people have gone through some things. And because God's people have gone through some things, they began to compromise. And because they've compromised, they begin to push God out. And here Jesus is now in the Laodicean church, which is our time frame. He's on the outside knocking, asking that, would you let me in? Would you please let me into your life? He's asking us to would you, would you turn off the radio, turn off the television, turn off the fussing and the fighting and allow me to come into your life? As we look at the church of Sardis, verses 1 through 6 of Revelation chapter 3, we see something, a beautiful message, a specific message to a people during a time that is, that is well needed. This is a time frame that covers, well, let me, let me, the church of Ephesus covers the time frame of the first century. Then the church of Smyrna covers the time frame of the second to the third century. Pergamum covers the fourth century, century to the sixth century. Thyatira covers the sixth century all the way up to the 16th century. And Sardis covers the 16th century to the 18th century. This is the time of the Reformation. And so during this time of the Reformation, matter of fact, Sardis, there are commentators that says that Sardis means a song of joy. Hmm? And so during this time of reformation, as you know, that before that time, much persecution has gone on. Lots of form and, 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 and um, prestige. And, and the church was, was in a state where they seemed to be okay because they have all this formalism and all this beauty. But yet the church was spiritually dead and dying. But now we come to the Reformed Church, and there are some things that are going on as well. And this symbol of the Reformation stands as a symbol of life, a symbol of rebirth, a 
symbol of spiritual awakening. Matter of fact, this is a time frame when uh, what came into the church was righteousness by faith. That salvation is by faith and faith alone. Your works do not save you. And that needed to be reinforced. Martin Luther, when he began to study and he saw righteousness by faith, he, he, the, the Reformation had already begun, but he now kind of put some fire under the Reformation, huh? So we look at this and we see that this church, the counselor here, it is Jesus who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. The seven spirits of God represents the, the spirits to the seven churches. It repre represents the Holy Spirit. And the need for God's church to have the Holy Spirit centered in all what we do. We must seek the Spirit of God so that we can accomplish the things that we need to accomplish. We see the, commenda uh, the commendation here that there are some in the church that have not soiled their garments with sin. However, there's a chastening that takes place here. And this chastening is that they have a reputation that, uh, of being alive, but in fact, they are dead. And, and that their deeds are far from, um, from, the, from being right in the sight of God. The counsel. The counsel here is that they are to remember. They are to repent. They are to watch and wait lest Jesus would come upon them as a thief in the night. I'm not going to give you a lot of the historical background of Sardis, but Sardis sat on a, a huge rock. This rock was about 1,500 feet above um, everything else, and, and they were fortified on three sides, but there was one side of Sardis, uh, one side that they didn't think, they felt that they were impregnable. Yet, that was their Achilles heel because twice in history, they were overtaken from the enemy coming up that side of the rock. Sometimes we think that we're so strong in certain areas of our lives. Sometimes we think that we're okay, but we are not. And as we look at this message, I pray that you will find some blessing here. So here's the challenge. They will be dressed in white. Hmm? White, that purity. I don't understand how black sin covered with red blood makes us white as snow. I don't understand that formula. And you know what? It's not for me to understand it. It's just for me to accept what Jesus Christ has done. Amen? Are you looking forward to, to wearing your long white robe? Hmm? I'm looking forward to that. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to wear it all day long or, or, or I put it on and take it off. I don't know if I'm going to sweat in heaven. I don't know what's going to happen, but you know what? I, just, I look forward to, to taking off these rags and putting on that long white robe. Amen? So as we come now, we're going to look into this text. I want us to dig into, into this, this, uh, this verse uh, these few verses and see what it is that God has for us here. Uh, the first verse, verse says, I know your works that you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Wow. A name. Onoma. It is, 
it, it, it means a reputation. It, it, it has the connotation of a well-known name. It has the connotation of fame. Uh, these, th this clause, you, you have a name that you are alive and it's translated, everyone may think that you are alive. Sometimes we're living, not sometimes, it seems to be that we're living in a time where we, we, we love to have a good reputation. I remember as a boy growing up that my grandfather, the last name James, uh, in our community, people would come to our house and borrow uh, money. They'd come, and if they wanted banana, if they wanted yam, if they wanted um, all kind of stuff, my grandfather would be helpful in that. And lots of people owed him money. He built houses for them. He did all kind of things for them. Uh, uh, but, but my grandfather had this reputation. He had a name. And when he would send me on errands, the people would ask, are you James's boy? Are you George James's boy? And so by that name, I, that good reputation, I, 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 I came from some good stock, praise God. Huh? And, and people knew what, what, what was represented by, by me, by, by me coming. And so that a name, so this name is, is something that we have. And it, on the outside, it seems to be all good. On the outside, it seems that everything is going well, but there's something that is happening that it, it's, it's, it's just, it doesn't seem right. So to have a name to be alive indicates that you are by Christian, you're Christian by name only, but then deep down spiritually, there's something different that is happening. This is the implication of this, of this text right here, this, this, this first part of this verse. To have a name to be alive indicates to be a Christian by name only. It indicates that its dying condition was not apparent to the casual observer. You see, spiritual things are spiritually discerned. And sometimes we're going around, we dress well, we look well, we speak well. We have all these outward things that seems to be okay. But deep down, we're, we're dying spiritually. And this is what this is talking about. So you seem to be alive. That, that word zao, life. You, you seem to be alive. And, and, and this is, is something, once again, that the reality is covered by a facade and sometimes we're in places where we you know we, we look good and people think everything is okay and you you know you, you you've you've heard that term you fake it till you make it you know you're, you're faking it all the way you look good but truly there's something that needs to be worked on here so we, we look at at this and and it's interesting the but in fact so, so you have a reputation that you're alive, but in fact, that but right there is, but in, it, it, it's the word in reality. But in reality, you are necros, dead. And the fact that you are dead, people, you, you are, you're not glorifying God. And, and, and this is where this is this is going here. So so this 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 word it's it's an adversive uh, chi or and 
because it's between, it's between two opposites. You look alive, but you are what? Actually dead. And so we, we, we go back a little bit. And we look at this time frame, uh, 1517 through, through um, the, the, the end of the 18th century. And we see that this church during this time frame, the people during this, this time frame, were, they seemed to be alive, but they were not. They forgot about prophecy. They forgot about scripture. They forgot about what God was trying to say to them. And although we had the, there, there was a time when the, the great Lisbon earthquake that took place in 1755, that was not enough of a wake-up call to them. The dark days of May 19, 1780, how that was predicted and that seemed to have not been a wake-up call for them. The moon turning like blood and, and the stars falling from the sky, November 13, 1833, it it seems like thing, although all these prophecies that were being fulfilled happened, they were still not awake. It was not enough to wake them up. And so Christ would say to them that you have a reputation of being alive, but yet you are dead. Research, the research journal, leadership journal, I, I, I mean, um, indicates that some 340,000 churches across these United States have plateaued and are in decline and are in need of revitalization. This is where we are. We are living in a time where to find a healthy church is very, very rare. Of course, you have to qualify what a healthy church uh, really is, and, and that may be for another sermon. But uh, uh, as we go into this, we see that Sardis was a church that looked alive, but they were dying. They did not see the prophecies. And although Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, 29 to 31, Jesus says, the word of God says, immediately after the tribulation, uh, of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Although those signs were there in scripture for them to read, they may have read it but skimmed over it. It was not meaningful to them. I wonder what prophecies are we in 2021 are skipping over. What are we missing? Do we look alive, but yet inside we are spiritually dead? Hmm? Tom Rayner in his book, Autopsy of a Dead Church, he cites seven, seven conditions of a dead church. He says, number one, slow erosion. When churches begin to erode slowly over the past 10 years, are we growing or are we losing people? That is a sign of a dead church. He talks about where the past, number two, the past is the hero. We're always looking back. How are things going? Well, you know, I remember 15 years when... Those are signs of a dead church. You see, what we ought to be doing is saying, you know, if we, we remember when, but we're planning forward. Huh? 
We look at our present condition, but we're planning forward. You know what? We have plans to fill up our church. We have plans to reach out to our community. We have plans to start this ministry and have this ministry. That's what we ought to be doing. But instead, many churches are looking back at the past, and the past is the hero. Remember yesteryear when we used to do this, and remember yesteryear when we used to do that. But where's that now? It's in the past. Where are the people? Well, this family moved here. That family moved there. We, we know that that is always going to happen. People are always going to be moving. But the church needs to be in a state where we're constantly going forward and seeking ways in which to do ministry. Amen? Then number three, the church does not look like the community. Hmm? As I look at our church, I believe that our church look like our community. The, the average amount, you know, I, I did a little bit of demographics on, on Fort Collins, and I feel that, you know, according to, to the percentages that I see, that our church reflects the community. But we still need to do more. Amen? There's always more that we can do. Then, uh, number four is that the Great Commission is the Great Omission. We are omitting where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you until the end of the age. That is the great, com uh, the great commission. But yet, we're not emphasizing that as much as we should. And, 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 and so, we look at church. We're not, I'm not just talking about, you know, our church. We look at church across the United States, across all denominations. And we see that denominations are closing more churches than they are planting. If you read George Barna or, or Pew Research, some of these uh, different organizations, that is the condition of what's happening across America. And we have to be so careful and watchful so that we're not falling into those veins. We're not falling into what is happening, but often we said, oh, you know, we're okay, right? We're okay. But are we okay? Are there more things that we can do and should do? So often in a dead church, the great commission is being, is become the great omission. And then church that doesn't pray together, rarely pray together. On, um, was it Wednesday? Wednesday morning with that prayer. Early morning that, that uh, praying for this school. How beautiful that was that a number of us got on at 5.30 in the morning to pray for our school. Pastor is pretty um, consistent about having a time of prayer on Thursday evenings. That we can come. The opportunities are there for God's people to come together and pray. Those are very much needed. Amen? And we will stay alive as we seek God and seek um, his, his leading and his guidance. And then, the church has no purpose. Oh, Lord, have mercy. As, as you know, I work with Voice of Prophecy, and, and, I, and as I speak with a number of pastors, and, and seeing that they do not have a, 
a, a vision statement for their churches. They, they don't see, they don't talk like they have a vision uh, or a well, We know what our overall mission is. Our mission, our marching order comes from Matthew 28 and Revelation 14, the three angels' message. Amen? So we, we know that. But then we have to create a vision for our churches in the places where we live and the community that we are planning to reach out to. And many pastors don't have that purpose. And, and we should ask that question, what is our purpose and how are we going to reach that purpose? How are we going to accomplish um, that purpose? And then number seven, sometimes we're more obsessed over the facility than we are over people. And with so much of this that is happening, not only in the Adventist church, but all across denominations, the word of God, Jesus is saying in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 2, he now says, be watchful. Hmm? Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. What are the things that are left? What are the things that we need to work on? He didn't just stop there. He says, that are ready to die. Wow. Be watchful and strengthen the things which, are, which, are, which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Being watchful and strengthen. It's the idea here of being vigilant. Being alert be on the alert be awake or just wake up look alive be alive because Jesus is coming soon friends and that cliche that we use all the time yes my grandmother said it my great-grandmother said it I hear the pastor say it all the time Jesus is coming soon it is real Jesus is coming soon and one day we will realize that. But in between now and then, stay faithful, be watchful, be alive. Remain alive. That's the idea there. Remain alive. You see, you don't just come alive uh, or, or wake up in the morning and then you just drag yourself through the rest of the day and you're half asleep. No, you stay alive. You're at work, you stay alive, right? You go to meetings, and as boring as some of the meetings may be, you stay alive. You stay awake. Jesus is saying, although discouragements come, although there are all kinds of things that are going to happen in your life to get you down, stay awake. Stay alert. Read the word. Study the word. Find out what is God's purpose for your life. This idea here, it means to begin living as a Christian again. As you dig deeper into this and you understand the Greek language, it is saying begin living as a Christian again because there are some things about your life that you and me need to strengthen. So you're not dead physically, you're just, you're spiritually dead. And you have an opportunity to come alive. You have an opportunity to, to be awakened 
out of the sleep, out of the stupor that so many of us are in. Jesus says here, he says, I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. He's not found it complete. This is, this is law court language right here. That Jesus, he's doing an investigation. He's, he's looking at us. He's searching the earth. He's trying to find someone who will stand in the gap. He's trying to find someone who will stand up for his word. He will, he's trying to find someone that although persecution comes, although all kind of trouble comes, that we will stand for him no matter what. And will he find those faithful in Fort Collins? Will he find those faithful in Colorado? Will he find those faithful in the Rocky Mountain Conference? Will he find those faithful in the North American Division? Will he find us faithful? That, friends, is the question. And so this, this, this law court language, it, it, it's, it's the, the perfect tense. It's indicating that the search is not complete. God has not come and, and says, I've searched your life. You are found wanting. And I'm going to cut you off. No, that's not what the language here is. He's saying, I have found that you are not where you're supposed to be, but strengthen what remains. Hallelujah. You see, we serve a God who loves and cares about us so much that he's willing to give us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. But one day, probation will close. Hmm? One day, Jesus will take off his mediatorial garments. One day, God the Father will say to him, go down to planet Earth and get my children. And at that time, yes, probation will be closed and you, your decision has to be made. But right now, he's saying, you have an opportunity. I'm searching. I'm knocking on your heart's door. And all you have to do is open the door because guess what? The handle is on the, the inside. Jesus is such a gentleman. He's not going to kick the door down and go in and, and, and push himself onto you. Oh, no. He knocks as a polite gentleman, the God of the universe who loves you and respects you. He is saying, just let me in. Open the door. I love you. I have provided everything that you need for salvation. Just open the door and let me in. Oh, friends of mine, as we look at this text, we see that there, 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 there are some things here that we need to, to, to really, really look at. Friends, there's a great need for God's people to strengthen what remains. I, I did some research by going into the General Conference archives. And, and look at the church attendance and look at our membership over the past couple of years. Uh, I did not do the 2021 uh, year because 2021 represent 2020 but I went back to 2019 which represent uh, 2018 and and, and um, 2020 in 2019 we had 
6,501 churches across the North American division, from Bermuda all the way to uh, Hawaii to um, the, um, the Micronesian, Guam, and, and those areas. That's a part of the NAD now. And so we, we had 6,501 churches with 1,257,913 members. So we have 1.25 million. But when I look at the attendance, I saw that the attendance was only 175,367. So I, I, I thought, no, this couldn't be right because maybe a lot of conferences are just not reporting. So, so th this, this must be skewed. This couldn't be right. So I went on to the next year and I looked uh, 2020, which represents 2019, what was done in 2019. And I saw that we grew in terms of we had 32 more churches. So we're now at 6,533 churches. With a membership increase, we're now at 1,262,927. But when I look at the attendance, the attendance is 123,000 in attendance in North America. And I'm wondering what is going on? Is this inaccurate? Are, are there some that are not, 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 not reporting what's happening? But friends, the reality is that uh, I have a book that I'm reading um, called The Coming Great Evangelical Recession, and that is that, that our churches are dying across denominational lines. And God is calling for us who know scripture, us who are still in the church, to strengthen the things that remain so that we can be revitalizers in our community. Revitalizers in the place where we need to be. I believe that our seminary needs to have a department where they're teaching revitalization at the seminary so that when young pastors go out, because the majority of them, they're going to be going out to plateaued and declining churches. That is just the reality. And as we look at this thing, it is sobering. It is heartbreaking what is happening, but it is the reality. Oh, friends, there's a work that we must do. And this part, you may not like too much. I'm going to share something that you, you, we may not like. I, I read a book called Unchristian. Unchristian. And it talks about six things that outsiders or non Christians think about us Christians. Are there some Christians in the house? We're in the house. Praise God. We're all Christians. We have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives. However, we're not perfect. And so this. This statistics that were done, this work that was done. Oh, look at my time. Oh, Lord, help me. Can, can y'all give me a few more moments? Please give me a few more moments. This work that was done by, by Barna Research is a research that looked at mosaics and it looked at busters. Busters were born 1965 to 1983. Mosaics were born 1983 to 2002. 
their current age is between 18 and 56. Okay? That's a very large part of America. It's a large part of our churches who have, who have looked at our churches and they have walked, many have walked away. And they're on the outside looking in and saying, what is, what is Christianity like? Let me give you six things that, um, and thousands of them were surveyed, and he, here they are. Number one, they say that Christians are hypocrites. We don't do what we say. We say, do as I say, not as I do. They see our practices are different from what we actually say we are. And Lord, have mercy upon us. Hmm? Lord, have mercy. Secondly, they say that we are we, we, we are, we're focused on getting converts instead of building relationships. I'm stepping on my toe, and maybe I'm stepping on some of your toes as well. So we focus on, on you know, we, we, we meet someone, we want them to come to our church, we want them to take Bible studies, we want them to be converted and become like us, but the minute they kind of slow down on the Bible studies, the minute they said, well, you know, I want to take a break or I don't, maybe not, we cut off the friendship. Hmm? Help us, Lord. Number three, they say that Christians are anti-homosexuals. Ouch. The LGBTQ community is a growing community. How do we deal with and interact with the LGBTQ community? I read our statement, the official statement from the Adventist Church on that. And if you, if you can, go to General Conference website and look up official statements and, and look. We uphold scripture, but we still need to love the individual. Hmm? And it's the same thing with any sin that's happening in any of our churches. Sin is sin. We're not the Holy Spirit. We do not differentiate who has a greater sin or a lesser sin and, and how, how it is that, um, well, this group is going to be saved and that group is not going to be saved. We're not the Holy Spirit. And so outsiders when they look at us as Christians, that's, our, that's how they see us. That we are, number one, hypocritical. Number two, only focus on getting converts. Number three, we're anti-homosexuals. And then number four, they say that we are sheltered. Christians, um, we're old-fashioned, we're boring, we're out of touch with reality. And so sometimes when they come to our churches, they feel that they uh, it, the church is church service or the worship experience is not relevant to their lives. And because we're not relevant, they walk. They go to their friends who they, they, they find relevance in. Our young people, young adults, young professionals, they're looking for relationships. Amen? And the relationships are genuine relationships that are, we don't just bring them together and say, okay, 
you go in a small group, you go in a small group. No, it has to be organic. It has to be something that's very natural that takes place. Amen? And number uh, five, they say that we're too political. I'm just going to run through this. And then the last one, they say that we are judgmental. So when outsiders look at Christianity and say that they have these thinkings of how we are, why would they want to be a part of us? They say that we no longer represent what Christ represents. And uh, I don't know. Sometimes you wonder, well, do we act like that? Is this something that we should really think about, have a conversation about? Are we open to any of those conversations? And for Christianity to not decline, but to grow, again, we look at that age group, 18 to 56. The busters, the busters are the children of the boomers, right? And so as the boomers are getting older and, 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 and you know, they, the, the baton is being passed to the uh, busters. And, of course, the mosaics as well. These are groups of people that they, they, they're managing companies. They, they, they manage million-dollar equipment. They're, they're managing um, all kinds of budgets. And then they come to church and, well, we don't give them anything to do. Hmm? We're not willing to hand over the keys to them and say, hey, this is your church. We love you. We trust you. This is your church. And so we have to look at how that happened. And, and, and this message is not just for this church. It's for all, you know, it's a message that by God's grace, I will be able to take wherever I go. So friends of mine, uh, you know, pastor touched on Ephesians chapter um, Ephesians chapter 2 the, the other day and, and where verse, verse 1 says and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin in which you once walked according to the courses of this world according to the prince of the powers of the air the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom also were all we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath just as the others then verse 4 says but God but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. How beautiful that is. That the spirit quickens us and we're made alive. And so now we are different. We need revitalizers. We need individuals who will stay in the word. And when we look at Christianity, we look at where we are. We are saying, I am willing to stand up and make a difference. And the only way that I can stand up and make a difference is that I'm staying in the word. I'm studying God's word and saying, Holy Spirit, lead me where you would have me to go. In one of my books, Biblical Revitalization, uh, it, it, it says that a church is revitalized this way. A church is revitalized by the power of God through the spirit of God at work through the word of God by means of a faithful shepherd of God.
And I like that. I like that. Friends, we're in some trying times. There are all kinds of things to get our attention, to get us discouraged. But I, I want to encourage us to stay focused on God. We still believe. Do you still believe? We still believe in God the Father. Yes, we, we still believe in his son, Jesus Christ. We still believe in the Holy Spirit. We still believe that the Bible is the word of God. We still believe in a literal six-day creation. We still believe that God rested on the seventh day and called it the Sabbath. We still believe that there was a flood that destroyed the earth and, and God saved Noah and his family. We still believe that Jesus came to earth as the God-man and died for all of humanity. We still believe that salvation is available to all who are willing to accept it we still believe that we are to make disciples and spread the gospel to all the world amen we still believe the three angels message of revelation 14 should be preached we still believe that the ten commandments are still binding up on christians today we still believe that jesus died on friday rested in the grave on saturday but on that sunday morning he rose again amen we still believe that the spirit of prophecy from the old testament to the new testament and to our modern times is is still valid we still believe that when you die you rest in your grave till Jesus comes hallelujah we believe that Jesus is now interceding for us in the heavenly sanctuary we still believe that soon and very soon God the Father will tell God the Son take off your mediatorial garments put on your kingly robes go down to planet earth and get my children you see here Jesus says he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments and I will not blot out his name from the book of life but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels he who has an ear anybody with an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches friends I believe that soon and very soon Jesus is coming and we who are ready must stay ready hmm? and help others to get ready as well i like this song by toby mac i don't know if you listen to christian radio and i love this song help is on the way here are some of the lyrics it may be midnight or midday never early never late he's going to stand by what he claims lived enough life to say i heard your heart i heard your heart i see your pain out in the dark out in the rain feel so alone feel so afraid i heard your pain you heard you pray in jesus name i may be it may be midnight or midday it's never early never late he's going to stand by what he claimed i've lived enough life to say help is on the way around the corner help is on the way coming for you help is on the way yes hallelujah i've lived enough life to say that help is on the way do you believe it this morning it's just gonna be a little longer a little longer and there will be no more cancer a little bit longer there will be no more death a little longer and there will be no more heartache or pain 
A little longer, there will be no, no more racial divide. A little longer, Jesus said, just hold on. I'm coming quickly. I'm going to be there. Hold on and strengthen those things that remain. Are you willing this morning, well, by afternoon now, are you willing this afternoon to make a commitment to strengthen those things that remain? Are you willing to search scripture, go back into the word? Lord, what is your message to me? Lord, what is, your, what is it that you want me to do? I know that I have my career as an engineer, my career as a business owner, my career as, as, as a, 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 you know, whatever it is that, that, that you're doing vocationally, but we have a job to do in spite of what we do for the secular world and to make a living, we have a job to do. Will you find yourself drawing nearer to God? Will you find yourself saying, Lord, I need to strengthen this part of my life. Lord, I'm struggling right here. I'm struggling with this. I want to turn that over to you. Would you help me? If there's something in your life that you want to just turn over to God right now, it's nobody else's business. We just raise your hand and I'll pray for you. Father in heaven, hands have gone up. Your people have said, there's something in my life that I want to surrender to you. And I'm asking you to strengthen that part of my life. Lord, the church of Sardis, they, that was the reformed church. But yet they seem alive, but they were dead. We now are living in the time of the Laodicean church. We too, Lord, um, we don't see right. We don't have the right clothes. We, we have all kinds of things that are, that are not working for us. But we need you, Lord. We want to buy off you gold. Try it in the fire. So, Lord, help us. Be with us. Bless every person under the sound of my voice who will hear this message by internet or those who are hearing it now. I pray that each and every one of us will strengthen the things that remain. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.